Amen. And now kiddos, K through fifth grade, you are dismissed for creative kids worship. So with the, the technical hardware issues, uh, I was thinking in the 1700s, there was a gentleman named George Whitfield who was an evangelist, and he would speak publicly. This is pre-electricity, if you can't do the math there, only 1700s, would speak publicly to 30 to 50,000 people outside. I uh, thought about that a couple times. I was talking here a little bit about that with Troy. It probably his first day wasn't 50,000 people to have a voice to be able to be heard by that. Although I think sometimes my kids might think my voice can get that loud. <laughs> In a way, we are talking a little bit about this this morning. We turn our attention to the final clause of our church's mission, which is that we would enjoy and glorify God Embrace his word, engage his world, led by the spirit everybody welcomes, plugs in, and reaches out. The call to be proactive in reaching out is, is, is connected deeply with that subject of engaging his world. And I don't want to be repetitive. So I'm going to address it from a slightly different perspective. But I also want to encourage you, I know sometimes when I have preached at different settings and even here, I've had someone come up to me and say, hey, that sermon, it was like you were preaching to me. And I said, I didn't even know that it related to you, but that's awesome that you felt that way. This Sunday, this sermon, I don't know who you are, where you are. If you are a Christian, I'm preaching to you. This is for you. Why? Because we are addressing a subject that we're all called to be about. We are called to reach out. To reach out to the lost. And so we're going to focus on you more than I'm going to be focusing on the lost. So if you have a Bible, I want you to flip over to 2 Timothy chapter 4. The focus verses this morning is going to be 17, 18. I'm going to start a little bit earlier to kind of give us some context from 2 Timothy chapter 4. This letter is written by Paul to Timothy. Paul the apostle calls Timothy a spiritual son. He has spent a lot of time serving together, ministering together. He sends Timothy to the church that he's at. Tradition actually holds that this letter Second Timothy is Paul's final letter. It's the last letter he writes before he's executed. So if you have a Bible, Second Timothy chapter 4, we're going to be starting in verse 9. We read these words. Do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia. Titus to Dalmatia, Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very helpful to me for ministry. Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left at Carpus at Treos, 
also the books and above all the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Be aware of him yourself for he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God. I pray this morning we would be reminded of who you are. And that is seeing that glory and realizing the grace upon grace that is found through the gospel of Jesus and how it has saved us from death and brought us to life and has given us so much, Lord. I pray that we would be faithful heralds of the gospel. That you would give us the strength and embolden us with the confidence preach in all circumstances, to declare the glories and the goodness of our Lord and Savior forever and ever. We pray this in his name. Amen. Paul pens this letter from a jail cell. And earlier in this chapter, he writes to Timothy, I know the end of my life is coming. I I know it's coming soon. I don't know the exact date, but it will happen soon, which is some of the reason why he says, come soon. I don't know how long I have. Paul has stood before a Roman court in verse 16. He says, at my first defense, no one came to stand by me. I stood alone. I was deserted. Perhaps this was a preliminary meeting. It was sometimes the situation in the Roman judicial system. They would have someone come and defend their cause, not defend their innocence, but defend what is it that you're you're saying? What is it that you're teaching? What is it that you're propagating? Let me hear if this is something we really want to hear more about. And perhaps that's what's happening. And he is standing before a a tribunal, if you will, a group of judges. And one of those judges could very well have been Nero. For whatever reason, he has stayed for a future hearing. So he writes a letter to his protege, his beloved one, mentioning that he's been abandoned by some fellow workers, some of them have turned away from the gospel. You can read about Demas in other parts of the scripture. He is serving and ministering with Paul, but here Paul says he's in love with the world and he has left us. Others like Tychicus has been sent away. Some maybe were indisposed. The church in Rome, maybe fearful, decided to step back a little bit, pull away from from Paul. But I think Paul's words in verse 16 are really important. They really are revealing his heart for the church because he says, regardless of what it is, he says this, may it not be charged against them. They've left me for whatever reason it might be, let it not be charged against them. To faithfully proclaim the message of the gospel demands that we look outside of ourselves. 
It also demands that we look past our present circumstances. I love this, that Paul is in jail. He's writing letters to encourage, to resort, to, 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 to correct. He's looking outside of himself. And he's looking past the circumstances. Take a look here at verse 17. Life isn't going great for Paul. He's been abandoned by friends. He's imprisoned for the gospel. He's facing a Roman court. He knows his life's not going to last very long. And then verse 17, Paul writes this word, but. But is a glorious word, isn't it? Especially after that discouraging reality. I, I, I had someone who would tell me frequently, if you use the word but, you have negated everything you said before. Like, I want to be there so bad, but this is so important to me. But, well, that's not important. Whatever you say after the but, that's really what's important, right? You really want to be here, but this is better. That's why you're not coming, right? So Paul is saying, look at this situation. And then he says, but... But what, Paul? The Lord stood by me. Christian, the Lord stands by you. The Lord is with you. He stands by you, being a faithful minister of the gospel, reaching out to the multitude of people who are lost apart from their saving faith in Christ Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. It's not easy. It's, it's not People might abandon you. Even Christians might abandon you. Why? Because it's hard. It takes time. And there's no guarantee that there's going to be any success. If you have shared the gospel with people, you have realized that it is just as easy for them to say no, sometimes easier than it is for them to say yes. It's easy for Christians to want to pull back from doing it because in the process of sharing the gospel, this is in the way here. I can't see you folks over there, so I'm going to hang here for a second. In the process of sharing the gospel with people, sometimes the very people you're sharing with, they push back, right? You get the, the, the irk against you because you are saying you have sin. I don't know if you've ever gone up to someone and said, there's sin in your life that you need to deal with. Most people are like, thank you for telling me that. I was wondering what was wrong. <laughs> you know, if you're a messed up human being like I am, and you say to someone, there's sin in your life, and they said, yeah, let's talk about you. And then they go down the list, and you're like, you're right. It's not easy to share the gospel. And it is getting more and more difficult in our present circumstances because what we say is true and good and right and holy, the world says no to. When you read these words here of Paul and his, his heartbreak over those who have deserted him, I can't help but think of Christ. I wonder if Paul ran... You know, his thoughts ran there as well, thinking of Jesus. In Jesus' greatest time of needing support and companionship, his own disciples can't even stay awake. And when he's arrested, they run and they hide. And the, the only one who trails behind the arresting party denies him three times. 
I think of Psalm 22. Maybe that's in, I, th- I know it's in Jesus' mind because he quotes it. But I also wonder if it was bouncing around in Paul's mind. In Psalm 22, verse 1, we read these words. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But then verses 4 and 5, we read, In you our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. Do you see the, 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 the balance there? Why have you forsaken me? In you we will trust. I will not be put to shame. Brothers and sisters, the Lord is not with you in every circumstance and everything that you pursue. I want to be careful. I'm not saying that he somehow you know, pulls the spirit away and, and you're off here. But what I'm saying is he is not for you, walking with you in every circumstance. But if you are about the gospel in his glory, surely he will be with you, even if everybody else abandons you. It's not easy. But never doubt that if you are for his glory and the advancement for the gospel, the Lord stands with you. Why does the Lord stand with Paul? And Paul writes, to strengthen me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed. So Christian, the Lord is with you to strengthen you for gospel advancement. God strengthens you for gospel advancement. At the very end of Matthew 28... Jesus says, I will be with you always to the end of the age, right? So there's presence. But right before what we call the Great Commission in Matthew 28, he says, all authority, what he means is all power. This is the sovereign reigning king of the universe saying, every power, every force, all of me, all authority in heaven and earth have been given to me, Jesus says, Go, therefore, make disciples. I have all power. I'm with you. And sandwiched between those two, go and make disciples. If you have a Bible, flip over to Acts chapter 1. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Listen to the connections here. He says this, verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Right? You're going to get power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Why? And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Why is the Holy Spirit going to come upon us and give us power? So that we could be witnesses of the resurrection of the reigning king. This verse is for you. But pastor, you don't understand. I can't do this. I'm, I'm an introvert. I don't see that clause anywhere in the Bible. And I would point out this. Guess who else needs the gospel? Other introverts. But pastor, I can't do this. I, I'm, I'm scared. I don't know what to say. 
you know, I, 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 I struggle, I, I'm, I'm fearful. What if they ask a question? I don't know how to answer it. Or, or, or what if I get things mixed up in my mind? Here's a passage that maybe you should spend some time learning. Flip over to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, uh, verses 18 to 20. I love this. Matthew 10, 18. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, verse 19, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you at that hour. For it is not you who speaks, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Have you ever went to, to talk to someone and you're not really sure where these words are coming from? Now you know. I believe if you put yourself in a situation and there's a gospel opportunity, if you would just be willing to trust the power of the Spirit to open your mouth, you might be surprised what comes out. Because surely... The God who is sovereign over all things has sufficient grace to power you when you feel weak. Church, if you could, by your wisdom, by your power, by your eloquent wordsmithing, by your influence, by your intellect, if you could advance the gospel by all of those things, reach the lost, bring the dead to life, sanctify people in their walk with Christ, who would get the glory? But when that power comes from God working in you and through you, who gets the glory? It's amazing how God powers people in all sorts of circumstances and situations. I'm gonna encourage you, if you don't have a book to read, after the service, go down the hall to the library and check out a book on one of the biographies that we have for missionaries or, or men and women of the faith who are serving because you will find some section in all of those biographies where they will say, I don't know how this happened. And then they will talk about some amazing thing that God did, opening up an avenue for the gospel to unreached people, uh, saving you know, their own self. I love, I remember reading a, a story about a pastor. He is preaching the gospel to the congregation and he says he stops in the pulpit and he realizes, I'm just got saved as I'm preaching the gospel. For this was the first time by the might of this red word proclaimed, he's preaching it to himself and God saves him. Just a little side note here, that's not me. I'm safe, I'm good. <laughs> the promise here, though, is amazing. He's gonna give us the strength for the sake of the gospel. The promise of the Lord is that he would be graciously present with us and he would strengthen us for the sake of gospel advancement so that all the Gentiles might hear is what Paul writes here. Church, let us reach out to the lost. Let us reach out to the lost. The Greek word for Gentiles here 
is actually ethnos, which is better translated as peoples, nations, ethnic groups. There's a call here for evangelizing the nations by a man who's in jail in Rome. Part of the nations are our neighbors. They are lost people. Part of the nation could be people in your own family. It could be people you work with. It's unbelievers you interact with day in and day out. And as I'm reading this passage, I begin to think, Paul, this doesn't make any sense to me. Because you are in jail in Rome. You are standing before a Roman tribunal defending the gospel I don't, I, I don't get it. How is it that as you stand before these people, you are proclaiming the gospel to the nations, to peoples? Perhaps Paul knew that successive generations would boldly commit by the power and the strength of the Lord to stand for the gospel no matter what. Perhaps he knew they, that's us, we, would follow suit. That we would bring the gospel here, near, and far. This passage connects with our 24 and 2024 vision. We've been, we've been starting this you know, this year talking about this call, what would it look like if you picked just two people to pray for, to pray that they would know the gospel? Because remember, God can save, and our heart breaks over those who are lost and dead apart from him. And so we've been talking about praying, we've been talking about these things, but I also want to remind you you, Christian, the Lord stands with you. He has promised strength to you so that you can bring the gospel to these people you're praying for. If you haven't thought of two people in your life who you interact with who are not believers, do you not care about their eternity? There is no message more important that they need to hear. Flip over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians 5. This is part of a part of this passage is, is kind of the, the verse there in our 24 and 24. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Paul is writing this. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. If you're a Christian, new creation. He's talking to you. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. Okay, what else you got for us, Paul? The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation 
You have a job given to you by God. Perhaps you labor over at Dow. Perhaps you labor in the school district. Perhaps you labor at home as a stay-at-home parent. Perhaps you labor as a, a plumber or a candlestick maker or whatever other thing you might be doing. You have another job, and this job actually influences all of eternity. You have a job of reconciliation. And what does that mean? That in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, you are ambassadors for Christ. God makes his appeal through us, through you. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. We can reach 24 people for the sake of the gospel this year. Why? Because God is with us. God is empowering us. Because God's going to do it. I'm going to be honest with you. I just picked 24 because it fits. I have no problem if 74 show up. And I hope you don't either. And I pray that, 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 that as you guys are sharing the gospel, talk about it with one another. And if, if one comes to know the Lord, praise God, let us know so that we can celebrate that there is another brother or sister who has now entered into eternal life and is finding joy in the Lord. Why are we so fearful to reach out to the lost? I hope it's not that the fear of man suffocates us from the faithfulness to this calling. Why are we so fearful to reach out to the lost? I hope that the fear of man doesn't cause us to sin and to miss the reward. Look what Paul writes at the end here, verses 17 and verse 18. He says this, so I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Church, the Lord will rescue. The Lord will rescue. Paul here says, the Lord rescued me from, from the mouth of the lion. That was a common way for Christians to be executed at that time. They would be cast to the wild beasts, often for the entertainment of the rest of the population. I don't know if that's exactly what Paul is talking about there. While this could be a reference we have to remember this is Paul who is writing and he already says earlier in the chapter, I know the time's coming that I'm going to die. I know it's going to be shortly. So I don't think the rescue he's talking about is equated to death. This is also the guy who says to die is gain. In Philippians 1.21, he says he desires to depart, to die to be with Christ. Why? Because Paul says it's far better to die because I get to be with God. So I don't think Paul's like, please save me from death. Because for him, I think Paul dies and he's going to wake up and say, yes. This is what I've been waiting for. 
Finally, I do want to point out that he also points out to that church, I'm only sticking around to help you guys. But this is really what I want, Christ, and to be in his presence forever and ever. I think the rescue here is actually to be saved from the evil work of disbelief. Paul is in a situation where everybody and everything is telling him, be quiet. Shut up about this Jesus stuff. Can't you just relax and just live a quiet life? Or you have some like Demas who in love with the present world desert the gospel to chase after the fleeting things of this world. And and I think there's something there in Paul where he's saying, the thing I really want to be rescued from, the lion's mouth I truly want to be rescued from is from the one that prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom to devour. And one of the easiest ways to devour Christians from sharing the gospel is to make us complacent and fall in love with the world that we're in. The evil and sinfulness of withholding the gospel is what Paul is saying, the Lord will rescue me from it. Church, what we have to understand is that the sin of omission is just as deadly as the sin of commission. The sin of not doing what you've been called to do is just as sinful as the sinful acts you willfully choose to do. Paul knows that the Lord is powerful enough to save him from cowardice and complacency. Those who are truly regenerated will work to surrender all, trusting in Christ alone, and they will be brought all the way home. Will they stumble and fall? Sure. Paul knows that God will rescue him and take him all the way to the kingdom of Christ Jesus. And knowing that the Lord stands with him, knowing it is God who strengthens him, knowing that he has been given the life-giving message and it is to be proclaimed to all people until all have heard, knowing that he will be rescued from the evil, knowing that God will take him all the way home to his eternal ward forever and ever, Paul declares, to him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Who else deserves the glory? Who else saves? Who else rescues? Who else will never leave us nor forsake us? Who else strengthens us? Who else will help us get through the difficult circumstances? Who else will help us to fight the good fight? Who else but God alone? In all of those things, he deserves all praise, all glory, all honor forever and ever. You could say that the chief end of Paul's life is to glorify God and enjoy him forever and help other people find their joy in God. That's our job, isn't it, Christians? We are witnesses of what? The joy that we found in God and that he is delightful and worthy of all praise. Can you imagine, going back to the 2 Corinthians passage, we are called to be ambassadors. Can you imagine an ambassador? I don't know if you've ever been there. If you go to D.C., there's this little section there. There's a bunch of embassies for all different nations. There are all these really cool buildings. If you're ever there, just walk that street. It's really beautiful. It's really fun. It's really interesting. 
Can you imagine walking into an embassy and you meet the ambassador to that nation and they say, you don't want to come to our country. It's terrible. Our president is horrible. All these, like, could you imagine that? That ambassador would be called back. We're ambassadors here. And we have a God who is worthy of all praise and honor. We have a God that should be glorified in all things. We have a God that is so amazing. I pray that we would help others come to see the glory of the gospel of Christ Jesus. This is for you, Christian. The reality is, as I don't know the hour that God has chosen you to breathe your last breath, but I do know that there is no message more important than the gospel of Jesus. I do know that there is someone in your life that needs to hear that God came in flesh and did what we could not do by living a perfect life in our place. Someone in your life needs to hear that Christ was crucified and the wrath of God was poured out upon Jesus so that it doesn't need to be poured out upon you. Someone in your life needs to hear that he really died and he really was buried and that he really was resurrected three days later, victorious over sin and death so that he could wipe away your sin, my sin, that guy's sin so that they can come and be reconciled. Remember ministry of reconciliation, reconciled back to Christ, reconciled back to their God and know the joy of true salvation. There's someone in your life Perhaps the reason they're in your life is the very reason why God is giving you his presence and his strength so that you would bring the message to them. Don't forget the promises of verses 17 and 18 of 2 Timothy chapter 4. There are people out there who have no hope because they do not know Jesus. Does your heart break for them? When our kids were younger and we would go on a road trip or just be driving around, if an ambulance was ever driving by or we'd see like a fire truck, you know, blow by the road and we'd, you know, pull over, one of the things that we would do as a family is we would just pray. Lord, I pray for maybe that accident or that person that was in that ambulance or maybe he's going to be put in that ambulance. Lord, pray that you would give them safety. But then we prayed. We prayed for their soul. Does our heart break for the lost? Does our heart desire them to know the joy of the gospel? God is all about his glory. That's why he promised to stand with you, Christian. That's why he promised to strengthen you and rescue you and bring you all the way home to heaven. Because God is about his glory. Which is why he has called you to reach out to the lost. To proclaim the message of Jesus. Because as others repent and believe in the gospel. They too will become worshipers of the God of all glory. Let's pray. Father. Forgive us. When we have forgotten. Your glory. 
Forgive us when we have allowed the fear of man to silence our voices from heralding the good news of Jesus' life and his death and his glorious resurrection. Lord, help us to be reminded of these two verses, Lord. The gospel proclamation isn't easy. It's hard and we're going to often be put in uncomfortable circumstances. Other people might even abandon us, but you have promised to be with us. You have promised to stand with us. You have promised to give us everything that we need according to your unending grace so that we are able to accomplish the very thing that you have commanded us to do. Help us to be faithful heralds. Help us to be God-honoring witnesses. Help us to be ambassadors who have seen the glory through the salvation and want others to come into that glorious kingdom. Pray that we would do all of these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Would you please stand? As a worship team, we try to sing songs um, at least twice a year. So, with the 24 and 2024, um, be encouraged that maybe the next time we sing this, there'll be more singing this truly from their hearts. So, let's sing together. I stand amazed in the Shall ever 
let me encourage you that if, if, if you need to take some time to process this, to, to maybe, maybe there's something here you need to spend some time wrestling with, repenting of, Lord, forgive me, I have been silent, I have been afraid, I haven't trusted you, take some time right now to do that. If you need some encouragement or want some prayer or there's something else in your life that you're, you're feeling like you, you need to share, I want to encourage you to come forward here after the end of the service uh, elders, some of the pastors, our care team will be here to, to help you guys out, to pray with you. Um, if you're sitting over here, if you guys wouldn't mind stacking some chairs, we would appreciate that. I want to also point you to a resource here. So um, the, 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 the 24 and 2024, if, if you want something to kind of help you think this through, who might that person be? Where are they? Are they, are they totally anti-Christ uh, in the gospel? Are they seeking? Are they searching? I want to point you back. If you leave out somewhere around here, over here we have our, our missions board for Go Global, Go Local. Um, Mike Peterson came up to me after we announced this and he said, hey, us at InterVarsity, we have something almost just like this. And so I want you to go over there and check out. Mike has some of these sheets here. Um, two plus prayer card is what, what they call it. But pick one of these up. It will help you to think through this process, help you to be praying for those people. There, there's some over there. If we run out, let me know. We can get some more printed and, and, and all of that. So I want to encourage you. God has called you to be a witness. God has called you to the, to the work of reconciling people back to their God. So let me send you out with these words from 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20. We are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Let us be faithful ambassadors for the glory of God forever and ever. Amen. Have a blessed week, church.